Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Shoved deep into it. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. Um, it's important. You know, I've been part of a, you know, we lost a lot, you know, in Minnesota. Uh, so coming here, being part of a winning team, winning culture, um, it's different. You know, losing's never fun. You know, and just being here, and you can tell by everyone's attitude, everyone's approach, you know, how everything is just everywhere, you know, that, you know, they're winners, you know, and that's something I want to be, I wanted to be my whole career, and I'm, I'm here, so I'm happy. Cool. Don't even, don't even get me started on that. Why not? I mean, well, no, get me no, started. No, we should get you started. That's yeah. kind of what we do here. Let's, let's get started. Yeah, exactly. Right now. Wiggy's happy, man. That's all that matters. Mackie and Joe with Rami. Real quick before we get started here. Uh, we've we've got more wild tickets to give away, and here's how you can win them between now and six o'clock. We're giving away two separate pairs of tickets to the wild game tomorrow night against Las Vegas. The Red Hot Wild. They've won. They won a game. No, they lost. No, they a game. lost. They won. They won three. <laughs> they won. Three they won three. And then they one. lost. That's true. The Golden Knights. They're still eleventh in the Nature. Western Conference standings. Um, but the Wild. It's a great arena. It's a great time. <laughs> That's that's what I will say about the Axel Energy Center, even if the project has been a little bit subpar. Um, and we're giving away tickets between now and 6 o'clock. Two pairs of tickets. Here's how you win them. You have to have the Score North app. You have to open the app. Make sure you're registered. And enter through listener rewards inside the app. So it's happy hour here on Mackie and Judd with Rami. Uh, I think Andrew Wiggins was experiencing some happy hour or something when he said those things on Saturday night. He speaks like a guy... He's like the surgeon walking into a failed surgery or something and being like, well, we really, uh, really should be better at surgery around here, shouldn't we? It's like, uh, yeah, dude, you're the, you're the lead guy. Like, you're the one with the knife. Why, like, why aren't you better at you know, doing this, surgery? This this room is a mess right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like basically what he's right. Scalpels everywhere. What is going on here? Were you guys? Did you, did you, did you cut that guy open? No, that was you. Actually, were you guys the least bit surprised though? To me, that quote was the most wiggy quote of all time, which is basically to say, "Yeah, guys couldn't win and carry me. Why not?" Like, this is the level, this is why he will never truly be successful for a prolonged period of time, despite the fact that he has more God-given athletic ability than most. He just simply doesn't get it. And what becomes more dangerous is he doesn't care he doesn't get it. I don't Like, like he's talking as if he was a guy coming off the bench, the seventh player on the roster. Yeah, no, seriously, like... 
I keep thinking of these just ridiculously stupid analogies and comparisons. He's a NASCAR driver, okay? And and they finish 14th in a race in which everyone was kind of hoping that they'd finish like in the top three, which is the story of Andrew Wiggins' career to this point. And uh, they get done with the race, and everyone congregates, the pit crew and everybody else, the crew chief, and Andrew Wiggins takes his racing helmet off and his racing gear, and he's like, man, really wish I was part of a better race car team. I don't know that we need analogies. Like he is, but what he is is the best analogy for what he's. He's the number one pick in the NBA draft. He was a guy who was compared to LeBron James when he came out of camp and when he came out of Kansas. Like that, you don't need an analogy. He's the best example of what it is that he's doing. Feel free, dude, to try and change the culture at any point here because that comes with that clout. Being the number one pick, not just being the number one pick, but then getting a max contract extension a few years later, they handed you all the clout you need to go and change the culture. Feel free to grab the wheel at any time, man, while this thing is speeding out of control. He might be the most oblivious superstar caliber player I've ever come across. The league is moving toward three-pointers. The league is driving 80 miles an hour, and Andrew Wiggins, as of... Even as of this year, to some extent, still pulling up from 16 feet, right? The league is grinding, and the best players are putting in extra work and hiring different types of trainers from, like, sleep therapists. He's playing video games. Like, just everything passing him by at every, at every given stop. And he doesn't even know how much influence he has over winning and losing, as exhibited by the audio we just played out the top. Here's the problem. I think as far as a human being goes, he's a pretty damn good guy. I think he, he I, I think he's a good he, dad. He's a, yeah, exactly. I think he goes to work, and in, in this case, instead of being a nine to five job, it's a multi million dollar NBA job. Treats it like a nine to five, right? But that's the thing. I think he gets to work, and I think the first thing that crosses his mind is, okay, I got to play, but then I can go home and see my kid and dog, and I really love them, and it's going to be great because I like to get home. And then I think he goes and he plays, and and if he is so moved, if he is playing the Cle- uh, Cleveland Cavaliers, or I guarantee you next time he plays the Minnesota Timberwolves, he'll have a really good game, a killer game. He'll score a lot of points. He'll be fantastic. But for the most part, he'll go, and Saturday night, in my opinion, starts a two-week stretch in which we are going to see Wiggy trying to be the best Wiggy that he can possibly be. But after two weeks, it's going to pass. And then I think he goes home, and if the Warriors win, that's great. And if they lose, that's fine. That's Fine, too. I think he is unmoved by 15-game win streaks. I think he's unmoved by 15-game losing streaks. I think he's a really good guy. But as far as what you want from an elite athlete, he's about as far as you could possibly get. So here's the question, then. Off of off of all of this and us just spending the first five minutes of the show just dumping on Andrew Wiggins again, and even though he's gone, this is the question we have to figure out. Because the the, the perception right now is, well, Andrew Wiggins and all of his classic Wigginsness just went over to Golden State. And the Timberwolves, in return, only had to give up one first-round pick. And they get D'Angelo Russell, who's one of the most exciting guards in the entire NBA. I saw a clip from uh, Wolves blogger Key Sang from, I think he was with Candace Hoopas and uh, Pac Mentality. Now, he's posted a montage of D'Angelo Russell pick-and-roll game. And it's like, it's this montage of, him either pulling up off of a pick and roll for three or him dishing like no look passes for alley oops. And he's just one of the most masterful pick and roll players. The Wolves got this perfect fit for their system and the perfect complimentary player for Carl Anthony Towns. 
Well, how likely is it that the Timberwolves, that all of those things are true and the Timberwolves just fleeced the smartest organization in the NBA? Because on the surface, it looks like, wow, they just took the Timberwolves trash, $27 million a year and going up every year, and the Wolves got back this perfect fit for what they're trying to do. And that's it. Like, if they just somehow fleece the smartest organization in sports. Like, where's the other shoe here is my question. I think the other shoe is one of two things. And I don't even know if the Warriors are sure which one of these two things will happen, but they, they have plans for both. One, Andrew Wiggins is asked to do less. Less is expected of him, and he can fill the role that they're asking him to fill as the third or fourth guy on a very good basketball team. I think that's I think that's one option. Or the other is that they think they can make Andrew Wiggins look so good by making him the number one go-to guy or number two go-to guy as far as scoring goes between now and the end of the season because Steph and Clay are both down and then improve his value and flip him for more assets come this offseason. One of those two things is going on here, but they don't they're not bringing in Andrew Wiggins because they're going to put the type of expectations or hopes on his shoulders that the Timberwolves did when they drafted him or gave him that max contract. The Warriors are too smart to think that's still a real possibility. Right? We're all in agreement on that. They're not bringing in Andrew Wiggins thinking he's on the level of Steph or Clay no, and but can do they take think over they a can, game on a given night. Do they think they can fix him? Because, I mean, we've certainly seen teams think that before. It's It's the old bad boy thing. Man, if I just dated that guy, he'd change. I mean, sports sport teams are more guilty of that than anybody. Phil, we, we've seen this a thousand times, right? I can fix him. If I get him in my culture, in my system, with my guys, we've seen that. So I'm curious if they think that. I'm also torn on what the Warriors thought of, of Russell ultimately, too, as far as a fit for their team. And the Wolves being... The Wolves on that end, I'm more wait and see. But dumping off that contract to me and a personality of, of a guy who, again, I just come back to, I don't think he liked the sport, and I don't think he really cared much, is a good move. I mean, Steve Kerr said something to me that's just like unfathomable. I still don't believe he said this. This is a quote. This wasn't from The Onion. I don't think so, unless CBSSports.com this is isn't trending in that tweet. direction. This isn't a fake tweet like Dan Hayes did to you that one time Verified when, you, account. when you got hazed. Okay. Verified account. All right. Let's hear it. Steve Kerr, the head coach of one of the best organizations in professional sports, said, quote, it's great to have a player we can put on LeBron James and match physically. Yeah, yeah I saw that quote. Yeah, good for him. He's talking about Andrew Wiggins. And, and again, at first glance, I look at this quote and I'm like, Steve Kerr, uh, is he okay? Steve Kerr, is Steve Kerr drinking a little bit between games here? That's him upping, that's him trying, that's got to be him trying to up Andrew Wiggins' value. Because there's no way he just thinks that, right? There's no way he's no. watched Andrew well, Wiggins. And- I'll say this, though. Step one of I can change him is the internal belief that as soon as you get a guy, you build his confidence. This was the White and Sox knows and that Francisco Andrew, Liriano, yes, remember? But he knows that he knows that this quote is going to get back to the player. And this is still the early phases, right? So this quote gets back to the player. In Steve Kerr's mind, in Steve Kerr's mind, he he's thinking when Wiggy sees this quote, it's going to do a lot for him. What he doesn't realize is the player is completely checked out. That seems borderline dangerous to me and reckless to say. Because what if Andrew Wiggins really does believe that and tries to get in LeBron's way? 
Wouldn't be the he's first. Gonna, he's going to end up in a hospital bed. Somewhere. Wouldn't be the first sports team to be reckless, Rami. We've seen teams be reckless before. Just gets trucked. Why don't you just tell him? Yeah, I think you can jump over a moving vehicle. Like if you if you're just looking to, you know what to that's inflate called? Andrew Wiggins' confidence beyond realistic expectations. That's called opportunity to collect on insurance policies, <laughs> which gives you cap relief, Rami. Oh my God. But I flipped that game on halfway through on Saturday night and. Just watching like a bunch of anonymous bench and G League players run around, spacing, shooting threes, having fun. Did you see the ball move? It was just you know it, this is this is what it was like. It was like their summer league. Remember when we were watching yes. the summer league and it was yes. just a bunch of random dudes and Jordan Murphy slinging the ball around, basically not dribbling and just passing and shooting threes. And that's what it looked. That's the, the the I know that it's a honeymoon period and they're not gonna they're not gonna set a new franchise record for threes every single night, but. To see the way that they played so joyously and 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 move the ball the way that they did without D'Angelo Russell, who also moves the ball uh, around too, it was just it was amazing to watch. It was actually one of the like ten most fun nights in Timberwolves history, which is not saying a whole That's lot. That's super sad, man. <laughs> that is was, super sad. It was amazing. It, it was a lot of fun. It was the top ten most fun in your franchise's history. What was the, what was the that crowd like? My heart for you. They were great. The crowd was great B- before the, the game. Russell got out there and gave a little pep talk and and accidentally used an expletive. Of course, who cares? And he realized it and like covered his mouth and the crowd's like, yeah, this is great. And then the game started and they just demolished the Clippers. And the crowd was that. In fact, I tweeted this. This goes back to, to the conversation about uh, Minnesota, Minneapolis, bad basketball town, St. Paul, bad basketball town. If you give these people anything, these poor Wolves fans are so starved. If you give them, it doesn't have to be great. If you give them an entertaining, compelling product, they will engage. That place was engaged. It was it was fun. It was great to be there. Jonathan just told us he does have the Kerr audio. We should, just to verify that this wasn't taken out of context, I've only read the quote in print. Sometimes it helps to have tone of voice. Maybe he's being sarcastic, Maybe it's right? sarcasm? Maybe he's trolling all of us. Well, it's just great to... Um... You know, to have uh, a player who we could put on LeBron and at least, you know, match up physically. And, and uh, that's the hardest position to uh, to guard these days in the NBA. So what, LeBron, a, yeah. a guy who's 6'8 and athletic <laughs> and uh, knows the league well, understands how to play. Uh, it's great. It's uh, Pinocchio. His nose is going. <laughs> And you can guard LeBron. 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 You can match up physically with LeBron. I was trying to get juice cleanser. (laughs) That's what it is. Steve Kerr's auditioning for Pinocchio. (laughs) What is he talking about? Seriously, what is he talking about? You want the question with it, too? Yes. That's got to be it, right? The question led him there, right? That's got to be what happened. All right. I'll start it over. Here you go. Yeah, I'm just uh, kind of curious your reflections on your first day coaching Andrew Wiggins from kind of meeting him through tonight's game. Well, it's just great to, um, you know, to have uh, a player who we could put on LeBron and at least, you know, match up physically. And, and uh, it's the hardest position to uh, to guard these days in the NBA. So to have a, a guy who's 6'8 and athletic and uh, knows the league well, <laughs> understands how to play. Uh, it's great. In Italy, they let you park anywhere. 
<laughs> That's what it is. I wasn't there when I parked there this morning. That was a professional photographer. <laughs> has, he's, <laughs> has he seen Andrew Wiggins and LeBron James like the humans, the people that they are? And has he seen Andrew Wiggins attempt defense? Andrew Wiggins is 194 pounds. Anyone want to take a shot at what LeBron's listed weight is? 240? 250. <laughs> 250 pounds. Andrew Wiggins is going to match up physically with LeBron James? What? What? But, the, but, but Steve Kerr what? is not an idiot. But I'm telling you, he he's, is trying, not an he's, idiot. Pu- he's pumping the tires of a player that he thinks this will work with. He just doesn't know yet that Wiggins doesn't care. Like you've got to. It takes. That's a dangerous game he's playing, man. It is, but he doesn't realize it. He's not the the amount of apathy that Andrew Wiggins shows towards his profession can't be understood unless it's watched and studied like we did for years. You look more like a Heather. Has anyone ever told you that? (laughs) (laughs) Oh wow, man! It's just like I. I just can't shake this feeling that something's. Like the, the Warriors, the Warriors are like two steps ahead of everybody else right now. Why? Why would I know the Timberwolves have a smarter front office? And by the way, the Timberwolves also did something similar. They sort of pumped Andrew Wiggins' tires early, even though he turned into the pumpkin version of Wiggins later on in the season. His numbers are a lot better in key areas, better enough to then spin him off to Golden State for D'Angelo Russell. Yeah, and you just have to wonder what can the Warriors do with him in the next three months. To then spin him off for like two more first round picks or something, wouldn't that be amazing? But I don't know. I think that's what it is. This weekend, I think that's what it is. It's like lying on a on a dating profile, like Pinocchio did in the commercial. This is Steve (laughs) Kerr lying on Andrew Wiggins' dating profile when they try and put him on the market. Makes sense. Sure, makes perfect sense. There's no way. There's no way that he truly, in his heart, believes any of that. No way. I don't know. Uh, we we have some breaking news, by the way, that just went down before our show started here today. Mm-hmm. I think it's worthy of diving into for a few minutes. We do. Yeah, let me find. This I think here. you broke it. Actually, oh, the news yeah. I told you guys about. This ridiculousness. <laughs> probably familiar with him because you uh, you did radio in the Green Bay slash Milwaukee area for twelve years. Winston Moss, linebackers coach for the Packers, for right, he was the linebackers coach. Yes. And he had that weird exchange with Jason Wildey yeah. and Packers Media. Was it last year? No, it was back like three or four years ago. It's okay. glorious how uncomfortable it got. But he's he's had aspirations to be a head coach, and finally he becomes a head coach in the XFL. I don't even know what team does he coach even. Is it Dallas? LA, You're asking the wrong LA guy, Avengers. Man. LA Avengers? Okay. If he wasn't on Guy's Grocery Games this weekend, I didn't see him. Well, he fired his defensive coordinator after one game. That's right. Winston Moss fired his defensive coordinator after Pepper one Jackson, XFL game. A longtime player and coach. A Belichick assistant. Do we have reason for why this we weren't happy went with, down after one game? We weren't pleased with how, how we played against, I believe it was Houston. It's amazing. I wasn't Anything even surprised. When you told me this, I wasn't even surprised because Winston Moss is a certifiable psycho. Yeah. <laughs> Like you tell guys, us more about You guys this. only heard that one exchange yeah, with him and more. Jason Wilde. He had press conferences like that regularly, consistently. Like, he is just a guy who you're terrified to stand in front of. Like, he just has that demeanor that he he's at any moment ready to punch you in the throat. No matter who you are, no matter where you are, no matter what the situation, Winston Moss at any moment is ready to punch you in the throat. Or so it seems. I wasn't at all surprised when you told me this. 
that he fired a guy after one game. I went, yeah, that's about right. And Jed, you saw his, he had a post-game press conference or something? Yeah, right? yeah, he uh, was, was talking in his post-game on, did, did they play on Saturday or Sunday? I'm, I'm not sure which day they played on, but anyway, he was talking post-game about how he had given his coordinators like three goals each to, to achieve in their first game. And I believe each of them failed on all three. And he looked like he was going to do something drastic. I didn't realize that would be firing Pepper Johnson. But he had given them win what? Win the turnover battle, win this battle, win that battle, and they did not accomplish any of the three. It's amazing. I mean, listen, I'm I'm all in on the XFL and if coaches are gonna be losing their jobs every single week for having one bad. Give game, us the week I'm, one review. I mean, even more. What'd you think? So, how much did you watch? Because I know Ronnie in and out wa- very much. Ronnie watched a field goal and then ducked away at halftime, and then he was. Yeah, done. I was bored on Sunday. I was like, all right, let me see what this is all about. I turned it on. Yep. They kicked the field goal, went to halftime. Yep. I said, I'm not watching XFL halftime. I'm not that bored. Sure. So I turned on guys' grocery games, and six episodes later, it was time to have some grocery games of my own. Okay. So nice. I watched one. I watched the full first game. Okay. With Cardell Jones, and I can't remember the other quarterback's name, and then I watched like. Probably 30% of the second game on Saturday. And then I watched large chunks of the games on Sunday. And, okay, the quarterback play, not great, but it's I want to give these guys a few weeks. Because even in the NFL, the quarterback play can be pretty crappy in the first month. So let's let's give these guys a couple weeks and see what happens. But the fact that we had live look-ins into the halftime strategy sessions where coaches are mic'd up at halftime and they're literally going over in, and it's not, edited or it's not like TNT where they take you in the huddle and it's like a very vanilla 30 second clip. No, like it's live in the locker room as the coaches are discussing halftime strategy. I thought that was amazing. And I thought interviewing players who fail after they walk off the field 10 seconds after a missed field goal. Amazing. Like these, this, like this kicker for one of the teams in the first game misses a 35 yard field goal and he's just some guy. He just like played in college and now he's trying to get a job playing professional football. Sure. And Diana, is it Diana Rossini? Rossini, yep. Rossini? Yep. Right as he walks off the field, microphone in his face, hey, what happened on that kick sailing wide left? And this poor dude is like answering to a national audience why he failed at and he his kept job. his cool? He did. One guy dropped an F-bomb on her, just like he Alignment, was all excited. Right? Yeah. Collar was talking about that. Uh, he but was even thrilled. like a quarterback throws a devastating interception, and oh man, what happened on that throw? And and. And these guys have clearly been prepped and have been told, hey, this is going to be part of it. If you want to play in the league, you're going to have to be super media friendly during the game. That Todd uh, Lubengill guy who does yeah. ESPNU stuff, he's like sitting on the bench with the running backs with his arm around him, like interviewing these guys during the game. They also mic up the coaches and the and the play callers. So you could, they'll just I could hear two the play calls. Drill, yeah, was... And you'll hear the guys calling the plays as they happen. So super fun. I, I enjoyed it. It was a great product, and I'm in next week. They That's, got me for one more week. Sounds like a lot of great bells and whistles. Well, they have to. I'm like it's Cardell, it's Cardell Jones, forty pounds heavier than the last time you he saw. He did look a little bit. I need a couple bells and whistles. I'm not trying to rip him because I'm a. I've gained some weight and myself. Not, but look, I said when this when they came up with this league that there would be a lot of there would be a lot of things that innovations that the NFL could probably take from this. But that would be like that'd be like if you put a a bowl in front of me and it looked like an ice cream sundae. And I put my spoon in it, and it's just whipped cream and toppings. There's no ice cream underneath. Whoa, whoa. Like I need the ice cream. Whip, whipped cream. What's I wrong need, with whipped cream yeah, and toppings? It's, it's okay. Gonna, it's all right, but I it's not a Sunday. I need the ice cream, and in this case, the ice cream is actually good football. Bowl, yeah, dude, that's the, yeah. I am. I am. After oh, I'm just wrong. After I've been eating ice cream for 17 weeks. Yeah. Put I'm on turning the pole. Put on the pole. Would you just do whipped cream? Six five one six four six eight two five five.
Randy in Cottage Grove, you're on Score North, buddy. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, Winston Moss is a he's a tough customer. That that's a guy you don't uh, just. I got a couple of anecdotes uh, over the years from some some guys I know who just come across him and just don't just just stay on your p's and q's around him because he is he's he's a tough customer. Football. But, uh, you know, I, I love football. You guys, you know that about me. And um, I, everybody knows that about me. But I'm, I I told you earlier, I was so jacked for the XFL. Uh, it's a chance to kind of see some, you know, some familiar faces from the past. Uh, guys that, you know, I've either like broken down tape of uh, over the years or uh, perhaps they played. I had a cup of coffee, as they say in the, in the, in the show. But uh, it's so good to see these guys out there making waves and, 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 you know, I, I don't care too much about all the gimmicky stuff. I just kind of want to break down the players and, and what they're able to pull off and, and see who's got a little little juice left in the tank or somebody who might even have a chance to kind of pop up and, and really surprise and work yeah. their way back to, to the NFL. And, um, you know, my it it makes me absolutely snug. I'll, I'll say that. Just just watching, watching extra bonus football. My only gripe about it is uh, – that it might, I could see getting so into it that it might, you know, distract me from from mocking. But um, I, yeah, you got to find, find that balance there. It sounds like. Yeah. Do you have time or, for the XFL and to mock Randy? I hope or, we're on talking terms. Yeah, I'm still on. I'm on leave still. So I, for oh. now, I do. But um, but uh, you know, if I thought maybe if you guys might want, we could. Uh, you, you know, I, I did watch all the games, every single one, and uh, all the way through. And um, you know, if you want, we could do a little. Uh, Little XFL stud stable wow. kind of break down some of the some of the action from the weekend. If you can uh, get uh, get that music going, I'll go ahead and give you some of the highlights here. I mean, we're not going to stand in your way. Go ahead, it's Randy and Cottage Grove. I got a lot of blowback last week. Okay, get out of here, Randy. Stop. So I'll stay out of stud the way stable this time, Randy. Sorry. All right, XFL this stud is, stable. Uh, yeah, and this is my stud stable, by the way. I I, I do the stud stables. Um, this is uh, week one of the NFL. Randy's Stud Stable. XFL Stud Stable. The Guardians and the Vipers. I'm going to start there. You know, you guys saw this game, I'm sure. The Guardians took it to the Vipers. 23-3. Uh, it was just a kick-ass effort by a lot of different guys. I'll only talk about a couple of them. I know we got a lot of games to get to here. Um, but, um, you know, in the XFL, you get paid double if you win. I don't know if you knew that. But, um, mm. well, here's a guy who earned every penny of that extra check. It's Matt McGloin. Matt was a solid pro in the NFL. <laughs> you know what he is in the XFL? He's a stud. How about uh, Jamar Summers? He whipped out a big can of whoop-ass with a little scoop and score to put this one on ice. And the Guardians are 1-0, and and Jamar Summers is a big reason why. He's a stud. I'm going to shift over to the Battlehawks and Renegades. Now, St. Louis had a lot of hype. Coming oh, in, we gonna, and uh, Battle Hawks came out of really a top one more game. It was kind of a big defensive tug of war. Bob Stoops, you know, does likes to really air it out, and he's got Philip Nelson back there, and Philip actually looked pretty good. But uh, one of the big plays in this one was made by a safety out of Florida who I really liked about ten years ago, a guy by the name of Will Hill, and uh, he was in the right place for a big pick that mattered late. Will Hill, you're a stud. How about Marquette King? Yeah. 
Marquette King is a guy who punted in the show under the bright lights. Well, he showed why. He absolutely smoked one deep that would make a lot of NFL punters pretty snug. Marquette King, you got a huge leg, and you're a stud. Yeah. All right. There it is. That's uh, now, that's Randy's like stud. I saw from Battlehawks quarterback Jordan Tamu. Right. He threw for a couple hundred oh, yards, but the real Once kicker for was he rushed for another 77. I'm enjoying this. Jordan Tamu, you're a stud. Let's move over to the Dragons and the Defenders. All right. That's uh, right. I think we're. Uh, the real story in this game was Cardale Jones. Cardale was an absolute gamer at Ohio State, and now he's finally getting a chance to show off a little bit of that swagger, a little of that moxie. He's an old pro at this point. Well, Cardale, I think you like life as a pro in the XFL because you led D.C. to a week one comeback over a hungry Seattle squad, and that makes you. A stud. All right, that's uh, all right. A couple that's, other spots. All right, all right, all right. All right. A spot in the week one stud stable. Yeah, we just right, we'll spade him out there as always. Yeah, we'll spade him down there. All right, that's because I'm the only one that enjoyed it. That convinced me more than ever that I don't need to watch the. Who are these people? Marquette King, Matt McGloin, did he say Will Hill? Yeah, Will Hill. Will Hill, dude. Will Hill. Yeah, yeah Will, Will Hill is good. Man. Yeah, Billy really Hill knocking the Battlehawks. Marquette King has a huge leg, and Cardell Jones. Might be the best quarterback in D.C. He's got big legs, too, by the way. That's right. I said Use them to run all over Justin the likes XFL it. field. Justin treats XFL stud stable as amazing. Please make it a weekly portion segment is the word you're looking for. I more and more no. am beginning to side with Randy and against you guys and how quickly you end the stud stable. Wait, you want more? You want, yeah, you I was catching up. I didn't, I didn't see all these games, okay? We have 25 minutes to fill. How long did we let him go right there? What if, that was about three minutes. What if Randy and Matthew Collar did a weekly XFL show? Weekly XFL stud stable, and it's just an hour Green long. Green light. Green light. <laughs> <laughs> you looked at the wrong person. you got to look at that guy over well, there. Well, I'm throwing it out there, okay? For, it. for everybody to hear. We'll facilitate oh, that. Noon to three weekdays, XFL talk. Make that happen. Noon to three. Noon to three. We are your Matt home. McGloin? Matt, Matt McGloin? Matt McGloin? Matt McGloin, dude. Yeah, Cardell Jones. Come on now. Football. Come on, Pat. <laughs> football! Football, yeah! yeah! Football! Football! Right. When we come back, can I do a guy's grocery game, Stud Stable? Sometimes. No. I think we barred you from doing Stud Stables. You could, you could take that down the hallway and do it. I'm sure FM 107 would love it. You can just go in there right now, actually. Lori and Julia yeah, would, they, love, would love to hear about it. They'll welcome you. We'd love to hear about it. We're not going to prep them or anything. Just go. Actually, we should have Randy call into Lori and Julia with an XFL stud stable or a bachelor, a bachelor stud that. stable. That could work, couldn't it? All right. Mackie and Jeb with Rami. When we come back, it's day one of 10 days of Twins Talk. That's right. The Twins report to spring training this week. 10 days of Twins Talk starts when we come back here. You think you like football? Brad Childress doesn't just like football, he f- loves football. I did watch him, I was standing right behind him when he was warming up and saw him kind of reach for his groin and, you know, hold it and whatever you do with the groin, rub it. That's what I think I witnessed. Um, tw- it twinged a little bit on him. All right, we'll be, we'll be back here, Mackie and Jeb with Rami. But uh, before we go anywhere, 
Federated Mutual Insurance Company is here for you business owners out there. I just got an email from someone yesterday, a loyal listener of the show that has been working with Federated for a number of years, raved about their experience. And it's not just the experience you get as a business owner, which you get over 100 years of Federated's experience based in Owatonna, Minnesota, in putting together game plans to help give you peace of mind. It's also it's also what you get value-wise if you're an employee of Federated Insurance. If you're looking for a great place to work, Federated was just named a top 150 workplace by the Star Tribune, second year in a row. Also, CEO Jeff Fetters was named top CEO for large companies in Minnesota. It was also named uh, Federated the 2019 Ward uh, Group Top Performer Nationally. So all these different accolades coming in and uh, highlighting how great of a workplace it is. You can go to federatedinsurance.com slash careers to find out more about why Federated is such a great culture built on service and, of course, great compensation. And best of all, you get to help people every single day, Judd. Thank you, sir. This gives me an opportunity to talk to you about my friend Jason Walgrave, the Walgrave Real Estate Team, and their guaranteed sales program. So I'm trying to think of an example here. Lots of Wolves players are probably looking to sell their, their homes here, right? They bought houses in Minneapolis-St. Paul. They thought to themselves, I'm going to be there a long time. And then the roster got blown up completely, and now they're saying, well, this spring, i got to sell that, that home. Well, if they were to call me and say, Judd, what do you think we should do? i tell them right now I, that they should contact Jason and his team because of the guaranteed sales program. Because there's a lot of people around town here who guarantee an offer, right? But I would tell those guys who want their home sold, no, no, we're talking guaranteed sale. Nothing an offer about this. This is a guaranteed sale, and all you have to do right now to take advantage of this, go to jasonsguarantee.com, click on the Guaranteed Sell button to learn how the program works, and now is the time to act, because if you are going to be moving, say, this spring or summer, you, there's going to be a lot of stress, a lot of conversations, a lot of pressure. Well, guess what? Jason Walgrave and his team take the pressure off you with their Guaranteed Sales program. Again, go to jasonsguarantee.com, that's jasons, J-O-S-O-N-S, guarantee.com, click on the Guaranteed Sale button, and you can sell your home. Jonathan here with the Score North Donald. We'll get you back to Mackie and Judd with Rami in just a second. But first, you can join Score North's Rami Maklov and Team KSTP at this year's JDRF One Walk to create a world without type 1 diabetes. Saturday, February 22nd, join our team or donate to Team KSTP over at scorenorth.com, keyword JDRF. If you missed the news from earlier today, the Vikings added some more experience for the defensive coaching staff, hiring Dom Capers as a senior defensive assistant. He filled that role last season with the Jaguars. Before that, he spent the 2009 through 2017 seasons as the Green Bay Packers head or defensive coordinator. This is his 33rd NFL season, and he turned 70 in August. Join Score North at the 2020 Choice Bank Minnesota Golf Show Friday, February 21st through Sunday, February 23rd. Your ticket includes gate admission, 14 free greens fee passes, plus seven bonus greens fee passes with advanced purchase, courtesy of TwinCitiesGolf.com, and one free polo shirt. Tickets and more information over at ScoreNorth.com, keyword golf. That's been your ScoreNorth download. Now back to Mackie and Joe with Rami. Swing and a drive. First pitch. It's two to nothing. The rain has come again. It's 10 days of Twins Talk on Mackie and Rami. Gentlemen, welcome to Spring Training Report Week. I believe tomorrow is the official Pitchers and Catchers Report Day, which is basically like show up in Fort Myers and shoot Rocco Baldelli a text that you're in the area. And then Wednesday is when Pitchers and Catchers work out for the first time. Derek Wetmore flying down tomorrow for a couple of weeks. So the Scorner Twin Show is going to be in your feed five or six days a week, maybe even seven days a week 
all throughout the next couple of weeks. And then we're sending Judd Zolgad out there in early March. So Score North has you covered when it comes to twin spring training. And be sure to subscribe to the Score North Twin Show on Apple or Spotify or just find it on the Score North app. And so here is talking point or question number one as we go through our 10 days of Twins talk. Your final thoughts on the Gratterall for Maeda deal, which now includes the Twins giving up the 67th overall pick in the 2020 draft. They get, in return, $10 million from the Los Angeles Dodgers. The Twins also give up Luke Rayleigh, who's like, according to people who follow prospects closer than we do, like Seth Stowe's from Twins Daily, I think, had him as the 30th or 31st. And he was part of the Dozier trade that came here for the Dodgers, right? Yeah, they got Smeltzer and Luke Rayleigh. Rayleigh goes back, so he's a decent outfielder, but... The Twins have, like, six really good minor league outfielders. And uh, the Twins also got another prospect back. But basically, it's $10 million to the Dodgers and Luke... Or coming back from the Dodgers and Luke Rayleigh. I know Rami hates it, and we fought about this on Score North Live. Weekdays, noon to two. That's right. Score North app, Apple, and Spotify. Thank you, sir. And I've thought about this for four hours, and I still... I just disagree. I understand where you're coming from and that you want the Twins to swing for the fences and get a number one starter, and to leverage their top prospects for more. But they probably did try to leverage Bruce Dark Gratterall for more. And I think any argument that says they didn't get enough for Bruce Dark Gratterall is envisioning his best-case outcome in mind when you're Do making that trade. we have Ken trend. Rosenthal from MLB Network today? Let me find the Scorn with Live page here. Mm-hmm. Because uh, I, don't, I don't think that's what he said. I'm pretty sure that's not what he said today. Okay, this is Ken Rosenthal on the trip. And the Twins, they get... Grisdal Gratterall, he'll be a player to watch for years to come because he's the one that the Red Sox red flagged and did not want minor league outfielder Luke Rayleigh and the 67th pick in the 2020 draft. So they did better in that sense with the Gratterall situation than they had initially, and that is because perhaps of Gratterall's medicals and the issues that were raised. And the Twins... It's a little curious to me why they gave up as much as they did. You How far argue. is your home from uh, Minnesota? You can argue that Gratterall and the number 67 pick in the draft might be a little steep for Maeda, even though you're getting the cash back. But, again, they deepen their starting pitching. Maeda will be a starter for them. That's something he wants. So here we are. And it looks like we're finally going to see this thing come to fruition. Doesn't sound like he thinks they paid a fair price for an above-average pitcher and giving up Gratterall and everything else that they gave up along with it. So what was the trade? Or, like, what what did you want the trade to be? I didn't want Kenta Maeda. I'm not looking for middle-of-the-rotation starters. I'm not looking for above-average starters. And a lot of people are, I don't know, not understanding what I'm saying. They think that I want to hang on to prospects. That's not at all what I'm saying. I'm willing to trade every prospect, any and every prospect, for Mm -hmm. impact players. Not for above-average pitchers, not for pitchers who are about as good as guys that you already have on this roster. I'm looking to improve their chances in October. If I'm giving up top-notch prospects, it's to improve my chances in October. If they did that at all with Maeda, they did it minimally. We all know that what they need to get past the Yankees or to get past the Astros is a front-line starter. is a guy you can slot ahead of or right next to Jose Barrios. They didn't do that. They didn't add that. And they gave up their top pitching prospect to do it. So if they swing a trade that includes more prospects in July for a top-line starting pitcher, are, are you happy then? Yeah. Then I'll be satisfied. I because still, my I'll whole still, thing... I'll still say they paid too much for Maeda. My whole thing from day one of this trade being made is if there's an eventual corresponding move that's going to come in June or July, and part of that might depend on how Brios is pitching, 
Part of it might depend on if Rich Hill's arm is still attached at the shoulder by that point. But if there's a corresponding move to be made that's going to strengthen him even more by giving up another prospect in June or July, this to me is absolutely fine. And my starting point has always been I was not comfortable going into opening day with Homer Bailey as my three. Yes. And now I'm not. So to me, this is a longer play of the entire season. And now if they don't do a thing to shore things up and they just say, okay, we're okay, but we're not great, then come back and talk to me at, on July 31st or August 1st. But until then, this move actually makes me feel better about the direction that they see this trending. I also think, Rami, I think you're undervaluing just how impactful Kenta Maeda is in the regular season compared to what the other options would be. Because if you start to, a couple things, if you start to go through what they have right now in their starting rotation before Maeda, Jose Barrios, Jake Odorizzi are locks to be in there. In, those are two of the five. It's probably your number one, number two. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Michael Pineda is not going to pitch for the first month plus because of the suspension. And then he comes back, and let's say by June he's back to being, best case scenario, the guy that he was for like eight weeks. He, for eight weeks, he was probably your best starting pitcher. So that's good, but you don't get him until June or until the middle of May. Rich Hill, if that happens in the second half of the season and he pitches at peak Rich Hill capability, that's a huge addition, and he was one of the best pitchers in the National League for like four years when healthy, but he wasn't healthy very often. But again... He's not in the mix until probably the All-Star break, best-case scenario, so you can't rely on him the first three months. Homer Bailey is awful. I'll just say it. He's not a good starting pitcher anymore. He's had like a six-and-a-half ERA for three years. He's past the age where so you would get dressed better. Him? Just It's a body that you can put in as your fifth they, guy. They, it's not a great signing. They, Thad came out of Twins Fest and essentially said that this team is in love with shopping at the used car lot. And they can probably, if they can fix him for a couple said. months like they fixed Martin yeah. Perez, whatever. Well, and I, I think if you look at Bailey last year in Kansas City, not that good. Went to Oakland, they found something and fixed it a bit. And now these guys think, we'll take yeah. what Oakland fixed and fix it more. I have no idea if they will or not, by the But way. Barrios is a sure thing in terms of, you, you know what you're getting from him for the most part, and there's some upside. Odorizzi's a sure thing. Pineda's not, he's a, maybe a sure thing when he comes back. But once you get, like, once you get past injured Rich Hill and, Mostly terrible Homer Bailey. Now you're dipping into the Lewis Thorpe range and the Randy Dobnak range. And I don't think I'm comfortable with those guys being in the mix for your number four, number well, five starting they, spots. If they put themselves in a position where you had to trade your top pitching prospect to go get an above average guy, that was their failing too. In what way though? They try they tried to give a hundred million dollars to Zach Wheeler. They tried to pay Madison Bumgarner. Madison Bumgarner took less money because he wanted to live in Arizona and and he likes to hit he likes to take a hundred at bats because he likes to hit two seventeen <laughs> and hit three doubles. Like so, like they. I, and it's it, if you ask me, would I would I rather have Josh Donaldson and Kenta Maeda or Zach Wheeler and like some scrub third baseman off the free agent heap? I think they're doing it better this way, and it's so easy to get fixated on. Gratterall was their number one pitching prospect and throws a hundred miles an hour. That doesn't guarantee anything. Look at the Twins pitching prospects for 15 years. I'm not how saying many don't trade out? Gratterall. I'm not saying don't trade Gratterall because of how good he might be. I'm the one who's been using the Cubs comparison since I got here. That you have to be willing to trade big prospects who may turn out to be great ball players in the future to win now. That's the narrative I've been spinning. But they did that for Araldis Chapman. Not for Kenta Maeda. They did it for the best closer that maybe this league has ever seen. Not an above average pitcher. But I, I think that you you think 
And we probably thought at one time that Gratterall was going to get them more than he did. And the thing about part of the part of this game is building up prospects beyond belief. And then when teams trade them, it looks dumb sometimes. But my guess is that when you took Gratterall and his reports to the market, what we thought and perceived, he throws hard, that looks great. Teams are like, oh, no, no, we'll give you something, but not as much as you think. And so, so I, but. This goes back to to the eighties of building up your your prospects and uh, what baseball America used to have. You know the Mets were geniuses at this. Billy Pulsifer is going to be in the Hall of Billy Pulsifer. Yes. You know Jason Isringhouse and Unbo. No, he's not that good. Dude. The Twins, the Twins when Remember the Twins how good were smart. That rotation was supposed to be exactly, but that, but that's my but that's my point. That that now is is those days probably on steroids. Because we go to websites and we see, look at these prospects. But part of the game is building prospects up. And that's why we're so surprised if ultimately, and this happens a lot, guys fail. Yeah, and this is what I have been guilty. I've been talking about the Twins almost every day for 10 years on the radio. And and I covered that beat for four years. And I've been guilty in the past of overvaluing prospects and overvaluing what their upside could be and what they could get you back in a trade and I'm just kind of done doing that with this team. And if we start from a place of, does Kenta Maeda make the Twins in 2020 better? And the answer is unequivocally yes in my mind. He raises the floor of your rotation, and he's a guy that in 35 or 40 postseason innings, and I get that that's a small sample size, has elevated his performance in the playoffs as a reliever too. So he might he might even, if he's not a starter for you in the postseason, he might fill a strikeout reliever spot at some point. But he was apparently very unhappy with being put in the reliever role in Los Angeles. And that was part of the reason that he wanted out of there. Yeah. And so maybe he is your number three starter in the or, or whatever. He's one of your four postseason rotation starters. And just out of curiosity, just to just to cross reference, all right, am I am I wrong on this? Like is Bruce Dark is there a, a good chance of a top pitching prospect panning out? And I, and the way I cross referenced was I went back, Judd brought up baseball America. Well, their stuff from 10 years ago is locked, and you have to subscribe and pay. So be, me being sort of cheap, I went to BaseballProspectus.com, where their list <laughs> from 10 years ago is unlocked. So Baseball Prospectus has a top 101 prospect list from 10 years ago. And I just went through the top 50. There were 19 pitchers. And this isn't just like organizational. You know, Bruce Dark Radrell wouldn't even be in that 50 today because he's not one of the top 50 prospects in baseball. He's probably on the fringe. But of the top 50 prospects in baseball in 2010, 19 were pitchers. So these were the 19 most highly coveted, highly regarded pitchers 10 years ago before these guys were major leaguers. I'm going to read that list to you, okay? And hopefully by the end of me reading this list, everybody listening and Rami will just be less worried about Bruce Dark Gratterall blowing up into this Bruce amazing... I'm not worried about Bruce Dark That's not guy. what I'm worried about. I'm worried about who you got for him. But I'm, worried, I'm worried about where the Twins are setting their sights in terms of pitchers, in terms of targets. But if Maeda makes... Do you disagree that Maeda raises the floor of this rotation and I makes your rotation the, better? I thought the Twins were going to win the division anyways. The Twins were going to win the regular series. What could they do to do something beyond that? And Kenta Maeda doesn't answer that. He but it, doesn't. But Maeda... You still don't match up Robbie, with the Yankees. It's Maeda or Homer Bailey. It's Maeda or Lewis Thorpe. Like, that's that's the discussion here. Or Mookie Betts. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm in on Mookie Betts. You convinced me on Friday. But independent of that... Can we stand point here, please? Here's the list, okay? Steven Strasburg was the number one prospect in baseball. I think we'd agree that that one worked out. All right? 
Niftali Feliz. Araldus Chapman was on this list. Jeremy Hellickson. Martin Perez was the fifth pitcher on this list. That that Martin Perez was the fifth pitcher on this list. Kyle Drabeck, that's Doug Drabeck's son. Was that ten years ago? Yep. What? That was ten years ago? Yeah, Man, am I Kyle oh Drabeck, God. yeah. I remember I thought he was still young. Yeah, so did I. I was yeah. I've been waiting for Kyle Drabeck still. <laughs> Guess I won't take him on He's my rotisserie draft this Again, sounds like, like a book. When you hear me Kyle read this Drabeck. list, these are all guys that at one point or another the team that had them was like Whoa, whoa, whoa. Where We're gonna trade Kyle this Drabeck? guy. Find it. Brian Mattis. Madison Bumgarner panned out pretty well. Christian Friedrich, Tyler Matzik, Jacob Turner, Casey Kelly, Casey Crosby, and I'm not making these names up. These are legitimate <laughs> dudes. They Casey, were highly Casey. coveted, okay? Was Casey Kasem on that list? <laughs> Julio, Julio Tehran, who's a guy. Yeah. He's, I'm Casey Kasem. Wade Davis, who was a failed starter, good reliever. Mike Montgomery, Shelby Miller, Chris Withrow, and Matt Moore. And again, at any given at any given point 10 years ago, the teams that had these players were sitting on them like, "Oh man. Oh, if you're going to if you're yeah. going to if you're going to pry Christian Friedrich from our cold dead hands, you better give us an ace caliber starter." And most of the time they turn out but, to be nothing. And I I don't have the list in front of me. This idea just occurred to me now, and I don't expect you to have it in front of you. How many top flight pitching prospects are now aces out of their team's bullpen for them? Cuz I brought up Josh Hader earlier. He's not the only one. There are guys like that all over this league who are their team's, Andrew Miller is another one, who are their team's top starting pitching prospect, were throwing 99-plus out of the bullpen, but had a limited pitch assortment, and their and their team, their organization, looked at him and said, okay, this guy's future might not be as a starter, but he could be a real weapon for us out of the bullpen. But There if are guys like that all over this league. But this trade could work for both sides, too. I, ideally, it does, right? Gratterall's good. Uh... Kenta Maid is good. But if they thought that, if, like, think about this. They serve purposes. The Twins are a smart pitching organization, Mm -hmm. and Bruce Dar Gratterall is major league ready right now. If the Twins thought Bruce Dar Gratterall was going to be Josh Hader for them and pitch 80 innings and just blow everybody away in 2020, they would have kept him. They wouldn't have traded him for a number three starter. So I, part of, part of my faith here is that I just think these guys know what they're looking at. They're smart when it comes to pitching. And they don't think that a major league ready 100 mile an hour flamethrower can be Josh Hader in 2020. So they, they sold high on him. I also th- think that when the pitching coach, and they probably weren't too pleased about him from the brain trust standpoint, but when Wes Johnson comes out at Twins Fest and says he has a violent delivery that we need to work on, that's a legitimate concern. Like that's not a, my guess is that Falvey and Levine were probably like, really, Wes? You really didn't have to say that publicly. But when you're talking about the fact that, there is clearly the Red Sox and the Dodgers might hear that clip now and go back on the trade. It's not done yet, right? But there is definitely a concern there about this guy's mechanics, delivery, going down that path. But here's my problem. I don't think this is a bad trade. Like, if this was a one-sided, and look, for all I know, it might turn out to be Dyson, so I don't know. But right now, to me, it looks like a pretty good trade. And, and I think the hypocritical thing would be to sit here now and be like, well, you got to do better for your prospects. When at the deadline last year, I was pining for them to trade prospects because I didn't think that the brain trust for the Twins at that time had the necessary acknowledgement of where this team was at right then. And I still think that they didn't, but they're doing it now. So can I sit here and be like, well, this isn't a good trade because you should have made this trade instead. At some point in time here, 
if they're going to say that we're going to improve our team for 2020, I got to say, okay, that's worth a shot because that's what I believed last summer. 651-646-8255. It's Mackie and Jeb with Rami. Ten days of Twins talk. This is day number one with spring training starting this week. Matt in Minneapolis, you're on Score North. What are your thoughts? Uh, well, this is coming from a Dodger fan. I, uh, I think it's a good trade for both teams. Um, I think you're looking ahead knowing that you're going to make the playoffs and probably win your division with Maeda, and you're hoping that he'll pans out. But you're going to have to get rid of the prospects at the deadline for a number three, and that will move possibly Hill and Maeda to the pen. Because you have Burrito, Burritos, Odorizzi, and then whoever you get at the deadline, they're good for three or four in a postseason game. And then you reach to the bullpen where you essentially have two starters who can come out, handle the next three to four, then pass it on to your closers. I think it's great. It sets them up. Even though Maeda might not like being a reliever, he's uh, working for an employer who, you know, kind of going to tell him what to do. I yeah. think it's good. Matt, I think thank, you're on the right track. Thanks for the phone call. Something just to add to his point, too. There is a very little percent chance that all these starters we're talking about, Barrios, Odorizzi, Pineda, Rich Hill, obviously injured, uh, Kenta Maeda, a couple of those guys are probably going to get hurt or something's yeah, going to happen, right? That's just the reality of a Major League Baseball season. You should probably have about six or seven at least serviceable starters on deck because one or two of them isn't going to make all the starts. And they had two at the end of last year. Right. And that that's in their head, too, when they're thinking about this. Man, we only had two viable starters going into game and three of Yankees ALDS. Besides, I'm not giving up more just on principle if I'm the Twins. Like, a deal was agreed to, and nothing changed after the deal was agreed to. There was no failed physical. There was nothing in the medical that you didn't know about. You just came to me after a deal was agreed to and wanted to up the price. I'm I'm not agreeing just on principle because I'm not setting a precedent that you're going to be able to pull that crap on me in the future. That you can make a trade and then because of what I think is public perception, get cold feet out of the, about the trade, come up with an excuse, which by the way is the most dangerous and reckless excuse that you can come up with for Bruce Dargraderall and his future for the Twins if and his value if you ever want to trade him in a different deal in the future. Everything about that was just bad business, bad faith on the Red Sox part. And I'm sorry, I'm not giving you what you want, and I'm not helping you get what you want by facilitating that trade. As soon as they said, we want something in addition to Bruce Dargraderall, even if I thought it was a fair price to pay more to get Maeda, which I don't, I'm saying no because I'm not setting that precedent. I'm sorry, I'm out on that. Just on principle and precedent alone. Yeah, I think I think you, the way you could sort of pull it all apart is because because nothing technically this is a separate trade now. It's a different right? it's a different trade so, with a different team. So they they basically they gave up a little bit more just because they want Maeda. <laughs> but the Red Sox wanted out on bets. They wanted out on price, and the Dodgers wanted bets. And you were facilitating that. When, and there was no way I was helping anybody involved with that thing once you acted in bad faith. Here's what's weird though: the Red Sox at, at the end of the day didn't do any better or ultimately different than the Gratterall trade. It's not like they went back to the Dodgers and said, give us a top five prospect, and the Dodgers said, okay. I mean, they got a guy named Jeter. Yeah. That's kind of a fun troll job, right? That's basically it, They got a guy named Jeter. And a catcher, right? That guy's named after Derek Jeter, right? Yes, he is. Assuming he is. Yes. It's probably worth it for the troll job. Get a shortstop named Jeter. The Red Sox are now trolling. (laughs) 
I don't know if they know what they're doing. I, yeah, man. they are a mess. Just because their idiot front office just spent three days listening to every Sully and Hanny on WEEI and the Sports Hub, and they decided to... But are, are Red Sox fans happy today now because of this trade? No, zero chance. Like, it's the same thing. I mean, from what I've read, they got a little bit more in terms of the prospect haul that they got in this thing. But no, Red Sox fans weren't going to be happy one way or another. Yeah, but they, they shouldn't be. They, they're not happy that they had to trade bets, but they felt like they got fleeced. Now they feel like they maybe got some value no, in they still return. Got, no, they still got fleeced. Yeah. Swing and a drive. First pitch. It's two to nothing. The rain has come again. It's 10 days of Twins Talk on Matthew and Judd with Rami. Day one down, gentlemen, and uh, day two tomorrow we can dive into how much better are the Twins really now than they were four months ago when they got swept by the Yankees. And uh, if you guys have any thoughts on what you want us to cover during our 10 days of Twins Talk as spring training Kicks off here this week. Just tweet at us at Score North, at Phil Mackey, at Rami is tweeting, at Jay Zolgad, and we will mix in those discussions. When we come back, our buddy Tom Pelissero from NFL Network. Big news regarding a big-time quarterback when we come back here. And uh, also some Stefan Diggs mysterious posts on social media. We'll see if we can figure out what those are all about. After we talk about the best car dealership and service department in the Twin Cities, Luther Brookdale Toyota, 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard. Sometimes it's fun to go to the pre-owned section of the website, LutherBrookdaleToyota.com, where you can find great deals on like a 2011 Camry ride. I'm just staring at one with 101,500 miles on it. You can probably double that, if not more, with the great people in that service department and just the general durability of Toyota's. So a 2011 Camry, 100,000 miles on it, eighty nine ninety five right now on the lot at Luther. How about a 2016 Prius with just 56,000 miles on it, 13,740. Great, great deals on pre-owned vehicles on the corner of 694 in Brooklyn Boulevard, LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. What the hell are you guys talking about? TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. <laughs> It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. You like that? You like that? Football. Welcome back to Mackie and Judd with Rami, where between now and 6 o'clock, this has nothing to do with football, but we are giving away Minnesota Wild tickets between now and 6 o'clock. Two pairs of, am I seeing this right, second row seats? It's amazing. We're giving away second row seats. Oh, I think I know where those are. Those are here. very good, yes. So you can uh, you can basically breathe on the glass. And here's how you win or have a chance to win anyways. You must have the Score North mobile app on your phone. You can find it for free in the Apple or Google Play stores. Register and then enter through listener rewards to have your chance to win. If you already have the app, you just go in and register. Score North app, free to download. Happy hour on Mackie and Judd between now and 6 o'clock. Tom Pelissero from NFL Network. The news today, Philip Rivers. I mean, this kind of trickled out last week, but uh, the, the Chargers and Philip Rivers are parting ways after a decade and a half. Actually, after almost two full decades. What do you think this means for the quarterback game of musical chairs that's going to happen in free agency here? Any early thoughts or steam on where Philip Rivers could wind up or is retirement an option? It seems like all options are on the table at this point for Philip Rivers. What we know is that he had moved his family out of California, moved them to Florida, 
certainly, if you look at you know the struggles of the Chargers as a team last season, Rivers turning the ball over at a higher rate than he had in the past, uh, and knowing that Anthony Lynn in the past has won games with a quarterback like Tyrod Taylor, who is much more risk-averse in terms of turning over the football, you, you could see that this was headed toward most likely a divorce, especially because you know, last summer they did not do an extension. He played out his contract. Uh, you know, all signs for a while have been pointing toward Rivers moving on, but yeah, that adds one more uh, compelling name to a list of quarterbacks again that we we thought Rivers was going to be a part of, but it also now you know clearly here on February 10th opens up another spot uh, that we can speculate about in terms of not just the veteran quarterbacks, but that Chargers uh, personnel department's done a lot of work on the quarterbacks. You know, a ton of interviews, a ton of workouts, everything else for you know, probably the past five years here haven't drafted anybody, uh, you know, up in the first few rounds. This could be the first time that they finally now look for uh, a succession to the guy who's been their franchise quarterback since, you know, at least uh, they moved on from Drew Brees back in 06. Hey, Tom, get, give me your best guess as we talk uh, right now. Brady goes where? Do, do you think he leaves the Patriots? And the, the report from your uh, colleague Ian Rappaport today intrigued me. Because it almost sounded like Robert Kraft, who owns the team, obviously, was facilitating sort of a, at least a temporary counseling arrangement of separation between Belichick and Brady, and that they might ultimately come back together, but they might not. And so th- this whole thing, to me, is a soap opera that uh, has become extremely intriguing. We'll have a better idea where Tom Brady ends up, and Tom Brady will have a better idea where he ends up. Uh, after the combine. Now, of course, because his contract does not void until March 18th, uh, nobody can talk to him or his agent technically until March 18th. But generally, teams' plans begin to crystallize. Word gets around uh, down in Indianapolis in a few weeks here. At this point, you know, what we know is that Tom Brady remains open to uh, going into this you know, with his eyes open, that he wants to thoroughly explore things. He's never been a free agent in uh, a 20-year career. This is all new. Uh, having said that, there's so much history, so much reason to believe that everybody has a vested interest in Tom Brady uh, finishing his career as a Patriot, and that that quite likely is his best chance to win another ring, which at this point is really the only thing that has, Brady has left uh, in terms of driving him. He also likes proving people wrong, likes to you know get a, a year older and continue to play at a high level. Um, but it's it's going to be you're going to be hard pressed to find a lot of better fits. It's it's absolutely one of the driving storylines between Brady, uh, Drew Brees is a free agent, Philip Rivers, what happens with, you know, Dak Prescott, can they get a deal done? Jameis Winston, Ryan Tannehill. I mean, it's a, it's a long list of, uh, unique uh, veteran quarterback situations that are going to be sorted out here over the next six weeks or so. To your knowledge, is there anything to what Michael Irvin discussed with somebody over cranberries and cokes that the Cowboys are thinking of moving on from Dak Prescott and signing Tom Brady? Well, I saw that my colleague Michael already clarified that uh, he had not uh, talked to anybody in the Cowboys organization who was thinking anything about a uh, trade Dak Prescott signed Tom Brady uh, scenario. There's there's so many moving parts. Listen, I, I've done this long enough to never say never on anything, but if there's so many moving parts in terms of you know being able to facilitate the contract with Brady, facilitate a trade with Dak. I mean, you're talking about you know huge permutations. Uh, of this entire scenario to even get to a point where it's possible. What I can tell you is that the Cowboys are going to make a big push here to try to get something done with Dak Prescott before the start of, or really before the tag window closes, which is March 10th. That's kind of the, 
that's the trigger for them. Uh, we'll see whether or not it makes any difference to Prescott because as I talked about on TV the other day, if you're looking for Dak Prescott, the, the Cowboys have already made clear that they're committed to him as their guy. If they tag you and you have to play the one year on the tag this year, for a guy who was a, what, fourth, fifth round draft pick, hasn't made that much money, he'd make $27 million for one year. If they tagged him again in 2021, that's over $32 million. Like Your downside is $60 million over two and then unfettered free agency. That's what yeah. Kirk Cousins did, you know, getting out of Washington. The big difference here is the Cowboys – really seem to genuinely like Dak and believe that he can be a franchise quarterback. Uh, this is not the lukewarm Kurt Cousins, uh, Washington Redskins approach here. They really want to get a deal done with Dak Prescott. Jerry's never been shy about you know cutting big checks, but they're going to want it to be the Cowboys structure, which generally speaking has been longer term, big upfront money, strong cash flow, but you know something where you're going to be locked up for six, seven, eight years down the road. And we'll see whether or not uh, Dak and his agent Todd France, who's done plenty of big deals through the years, are going to be able to, to find a middle ground. And whether or not they're motivated to do something prior to, you know, getting closer to that tag window, um, you know, the the deadline to sign for franchise players to sign extensions come July 15th. By the way, Tom Pelissero, NFL Network, you won't find a bigger first world problem than quarterbacks complaining about the franchise tag. Like when you have to. S- when, yes, I get it. You'd like someone to invest in your guaranteed long-term future three, five, seven years. But when someone gives you $27 million to, to figure it out, I think, uh, I think you can make that work. Hey, Teddy Bridgewater. Well, that's, why quarter, that's why quarterbacks don't complain. That's the thing is the, the franchise tag can be a weapon for teams to use against players. It's not with the quarterback right. because it's, it's such a huge number. And the way that, the way that agents, to give you the short version of this, the way that NFL agents, look at the franchise tag is basically if you get tagged the first time, they more or less calculate two tags. So the first and second tag as the baseline for what your guaranteed money is going to be on a new contract. Now for Dak, the guaranteed money is likely going to soar well beyond, uh, you know, Russell Wilson got over a hundred million in guarantees. He got like 70 million guaranteed at signing, but you know, the baseline would be 60 million over two. Like that's the, the starting point, you know, there's other positions Running back is one where right now the franchise number is going to go up because of some of those recent deals with Gurley and Le'Veon. But right now it's it's not a very big number. Uh, the linebacker number is not very high. Uh, the the safety number has gone up, but is, has not historically been really high. So there's different positions. You know, tight end is another one that's lower. You got a bunch of you know tight ends right now who are more like wide receivers in terms of their value to the team. Uh, for them, yeah, the the tag is a weapon. You know, it's like whatever it is, ten million dollars or so uh, this year. Uh, that's that's far less than what the market is probably going to bear out, even though, uh, shockingly enough, the highest-paid tight end in the NFL still is 34-year-old Jimmy Graham, making $10 million a year from the Packers. Hey, Tom, how would you draw up the Teddy Bridgewater market here? Obviously, there's a waiting game to be played when it comes to Drew Brees to some extent. Do, do, do other teams view him as, yep, he's a starting quarterback with very little competition, or is it still sort of a hedge with him because of injury history and you know, he's only started like six games going back to 2015. Well, there's a hedge just because, yes, he did not see him do it over the long haul because he has uh, had injury issues through the course of his career. He always, you know, that was one of the things coming out was you wondered because of how narrow he is in the lower body was going to be able to withstand hits and things like that. Now, his injury was a complete freak deal. I mean, that's a non-contact. He hits the top of his drop and a bone pops out of his leg. I mean, there's, I don't know, I don't know how you... You would predict something like that, but you know, there's going to be some questions with that. Really, the, the main question with Bridgewater is not will there be a market, because there will be a market. He's not going to have to go back for 
six, seven, eight million, whatever he's making this year on a one-year deal. Uh, the real question is, can Sean Payton make a pitch, assuming that Drew Brees goes back to New Orleans, which we'll see in the coming weeks, um, you know, whether that actually happens. Uh, but let's say Brees is back, which everybody right now, I believe, expects is the most likely scenario. Can Sean Payton make any kind of pitch to Teddy Bridgewater, knowing that last year, I mean, he, he basically talked Teddy out of going to Miami, which ended up being a great thing for Teddy because he actually got on the field and played some games. But he talked him out of it. You're, you're, you know, setting up as a successor here. We need you to be part of this team. Teddy likes it in New Orleans. Is there any pitch you can make this year, or is this going to be a scenario where you know, the money's just too great someplace else, the opportunity's too great? That, that's where it starts. Taysom Hill, too, who's their, you know, jackknife, they got to figure that one out, too. Sean Payton was on NFL Network during Super Bowl week, said probably not very likely that all three of those guys can be back. So what are your, you know, what are your choices here? If Breeze comes back, you're probably financially going to be better off keeping Taysom Hill, plus he can contribute to other areas. But, you know, where that leaves Teddy Bridgewater, that, uh, that would sting a little bit for Sean Payton to have spent a couple of years grooming the guy, then have him walk out the door. But there's, there's no question there should be a market out there for Bridgewater. It's just a matter of, you know, what exactly that looks like. Is it retirement or the Saints for Drew Brees at this point, or do you think there's any chance he explores the free agent market? Never say never on anything. Uh, you know, the Vikings called two years ago the, when they signed Kirk Cousins. It was during the negotiating window. I want to say it was the first day. It was like the Monday afternoon, and somebody told me, you know, <laughs> Vikings just called on Brees. I was like, uh, hold on. That's uh, a little bit of a – a bit of a, a curveball here, and you know, check it out. Yeah, they had big place to call. You know, due diligence. They were honed in on Kirk Cousins, but can you imagine the uh, the alternate universe where Drew Brees joins a Vikings team that had just been in the NFC Championship game? That would have been pretty wild. You know, the thing with Brees is he, he could have gotten probably more money through the years out of the Saints. He could have gone other places. Could have sought other offers. He's always had a habit. You know, he has a very he has a very good and experienced agent, Tom Condon, who's done a lot of you know quarterback deals through the years. Uh, you know, to a certain extent, it sounds like Drew in the past has been like, "Okay, Tom, I'm going to take it from here," and then found a way to close out his own deals with the Saints. It, it's hard to imagine that he's not back there. Uh, but again, this is this is unprecedented upheaval across the league. If you know, if and again, I'm just saying, if if Tom Brady leaves, who goes to New England? Do they really want to start over with a young quarterback? Do they call on Drew Brees? I mean, there's all kinds of different rabbit holes we can go down here. It's it's going to be a fun and, uh, for me, stressful six weeks. Reckless speculation. If Cousins' contract was just up, this would be so much more fun for us personally. Man. Hey, Tommy, what, what role is uh, Dom Capers going to play after, I guess somewhat surprisingly to some of us, being named a senior defensive assistant by the Vikings this afternoon? Usually when you have the senior assistant title, it means that you're, you know, an extra set of eyes. Uh, and it seems like they're setting this up much like a year ago with Gary Kubiak kind of overseeing, uh, Kevin Stefanski, you know, and being able to work with a bright young coach, you know, this year with the way they're splitting up the defensive coordinator duties between Gray Patterson and, and Adam Zimmer, it makes sense. You bring in one more person, even though, of course, Mike Zimmer calls the defense. Right. He's heavily involved in it, but bring in, bring in one more person to kind of help with some things. Uh, you know, Capers gets kicked around a lot for, you know, some of the things that happened in the later years with the Packers and, you know, their inability just to, you know, to close the floodgates at times. But he was an innovator, you know, through the years in terms of that fire zone scheme that they really took from Pittsburgh and that he employed through his days in Carolina and Jacksonville and Green Bay. I mean, the Packers won a Super Bowl with the guy calling the defense. I mean, he's been a really good coach for a really long time. Probably isn't a 
you know, a full-time coordinator again, just at, at this stage in his career. But you know, it can only help when you have somebody who has a different background because Caper's background is, is substantially different than um, Mike Zimmer's. To put it really simply, you know, there's been for a long time people looked at it as there's two types of defense, what they do in New England, what they do in Pittsburgh. Well, Zimmer came up under Parcells, who comes from, you know, the New England uh, background. And then you've got, um, you know, Capers coming through Pittsburgh and, and all the people that he worked with there. So it's interesting. It'll be, you know, kind of a, you know, a meshing of two styles. This is clearly going to be Mike Zimmer's scheme, but just to have Capers there and maybe bring some uh, different ideas to the table. I, I think it's a, it's an intriguing fit and one that makes sense uh, for the way that they're structured right now. That is Tom Pelissero from NFL Network. Football. With Tom Pelissero's NFL Insights, we're gearing up for one of the more fun combine to free agency to draft stretches in uh, in recent history. Tom, when can our listeners catch you on NFL Network throughout the rest of the week? Nothing more this week because I'm going to Disney World. I didn't win anything. That a boy. They still allow me to go to Disney World bring the kids. <laughs> so I will be catching a little bit of sun before I go into a dark room come next Tuesday and then work on this nonstop around the clock. Awesome, man. All right, Tom, we'll talk soon. See, See you. Thanks, guys. Tom Pelissero, NFL Network. And since we're on the Reckless Speculation. I would like to offer up a reading from Stefan Diggs' Twitter account. Oh, please. Going back a yes. full week. Oh, okay. a week. I believe that, that I did the same thing on VetLine today. All right. I'm, I'm going to go through and just sort of... Weekdays, 11 a.m. Available also on Apple, Spotify, or the Score North app. 11 noon. Score North Live, then noon to 2. That leads into Purple Daily, 2 to 4, and 4 to 6, of course, is the show that you are But you know what's consuming. the great thing, Judd? What's that? If you love any of those shows, yeah, what and it do? doesn't fit in your schedule, yeah, you can listen to them whenever you damn well please. Wow. How? At scorenorth.com, the yep. Score North app, totally free, by the way, or Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. It's amazing. I know. I'll have to crazy. keep that in mind. It's crazy. And if you really like the shows, you give a five-star review on Apple or Spotify, and it helps other people discover the shows. Subscribe, comment. Can I tell friends, rate. though? You can all tell friends. If you tell five friends and they tell five friends, then all of a sudden a lot more people, I don't know the math on that, 15 friends. 20? <laughs> 25. 25? Yeah. I don't know, I don't know who the, we are. I don't know the math. On. Reckless yeah, speculation. That's not reckless speculation. That's just math. Stefan well, right. Diggs. All right, here's the, here's the Stefan Diggs Twitter reading, okay? Uh-huh. And he's got a couple things mixed in here, like he's retweeting like memes and stuff. Just But February 6th, four days ago, he said, these days, everybody's an expert. Next tweet, some things are left, some things are better left unsaid. <laughs> Later on in February 6th, I don't forget or forgive. Later on on February 6th, God's timing. Then he woke up the next morning and just posted a gif of Kawhi Leonard staring at the camera, not blinking. I didn't see that one. Okay. Here it is. This is Kawhi Leonard. All right. Get the camera. Okay. Not not surprising, considering Kawhi doesn't like to blink. And then Stefan Diggs tweeted, I hate people that do you wrong, then try to play the victim. Protect your energy at all costs. Love and positive energy. And then on the 9th, yesterday, people don't appreciate things until they're gone. Later on in the day, he tried Wagyu tacos for the first time. <laughs> Shake my head. Torch. Is he saying they weren't good? Like they were hot. Hot. I okay. think he's saying hot. that they were right. spicy. Because yeah. there's no way. I've never had them. But there's no way a Wagyu taco is not good. Yeah, I think he's just saying. I think he's saying they're hot. Okay, good. Yeah, he's got like the crying He probably emoji. didn't get mild. Because yeah. that's impossible. 
But then he tweeted, business is business, dot, 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 with the shrugging emoji. That's a reading from the Stefan Diggs. Reckless speculation. How, Are we supposed to snap when someone does How badly do you think we're all being played by a guy who's bored? Do you think he's tweeting about him and the Vikings, or is he just, is it like a relationship? Well, I thought it was a relationship until the final couple, which then allude to business as business, which wouldn't be a relationship. Yeah, I mean, if he's getting her to sign I, some, like a prenup or paperwork, yeah, maybe. Business. But I also think that he's probably just bored. I think that there could be a case to be made that he has asked the Vikings to trade him, but this is just basically trolling. I mean, who who knows? See, I think I think there's a very, very low percent chance that Diggs, Thielen, Dalvin Cook, and Kirk Cousins are all on the roster in 2020 when week one opens up. Fair. Because because Dalvin Cook's going to need a new contract almost certainly for that. To, I, I, there could get... There could be some interesting and awkward things. Thielen's going to be the Thielen set in stone because he's not going to hold out, and he's got the contract, right? Yeah, that's that's fair enough. And Kirk Cousins is obviously guaranteed twenty seven million dollars. So now it comes down to two guys. So Dalvin Cook, Stefan Diggs. Yep. And I'd love to know how aggressive are the Vikings feeling this? Like, just to loop in the Dom Capers news too. Now Dom Capers is well versed in the three four defense. So are the is this the first sign of the Vikings looking to really shake certain things up? Are they going to implement? New structure to their defense. Are they are they looking at what's happened the last couple of years and saying we can't run it back with the same everything? We can't run it back with the same, mostly the oh, same players, mostly the, mostly the same schemes. Zim going to a three four, which by the way he did run in Dallas, I believe. <laughs> That's juicy. That is completely reckless speculation. Tom Capers is basically the inventor of the three four. He's one of the guys who helped design this scheme and bring it to the league. Could this be? The way to unlock Anthony Barr? Well, this this would make sense, right? If you're, it would you're help paying unlock a dude fifteen million dollars, he'd, he'd rush. And if if this is a guy that you feel like could maybe get ten, twelve sacks, and what if Zim went to a three four, it shouldn't be that shocking. Okay, John Harbaugh went to a completely new offense I'm, when yeah. when it was apparent that well, my chess pieces are different than mm-hmm. they were a little while ago. So let's let's create some new structure on offense. I think I think great coaches should be looking to evolve and do things like this, right? In fact, if Mike Zimmer went to a three-four defense, or even just implemented more three-four principles to his defense, and that's why he's hiring Tom Capers, I would think I already think highly of him as a coach. But the knock on him is sort of, oh, it's my way or the highway, and this is the way I do things. Well, if he were to evolve and change the structure of his defense, kudos, major kudos. But I'm with Judd. I think Stephon Diggs is just screwing with us. <laughs> Reckless speculation. Stephon Diggs. I think he just likes to have fun with us. That's why he winks into cameras. Plus, I think he gets bored. Yeah. That's all it is. I think he is a relatively young person who gets bored and has Twitter at his disposal Mm -hmm. and figures why not. Yeah. That doesn't mean he's happy here, and that doesn't mean that he would would look for a trade, but I could also see this being like, I'm going to screw with the fans, the media, what the heck. I mean, here's more, okay? This is from mid-January. I think this is after... When did the Vikings get eliminated? Before January 18th, right? Yeah, it was like January 11th or something. Okay. So a week after they were out, Diggs tweeted, Only holding up I do is my end of the bargain. Only lacking I can do is my lack of responses. I don't know, man. Well... Be careful what you wish for a day before that. I mean, you might be right. But they they also they also might come to the conclusion that to Phil's point 
if they're going to bring Dalvin Cook back, right, you can't bring everybody back. It's going to cost too much. Are, are you going to bring Griffin back? I don't think so. I don't know, though. Are you going to bring Harris back? I can't pay two safeties that, that much. At some point in time, something has to give here. And, oh, by the way, I also need to go get cornerbacks. Yeah. Yeah, Do, this is, man, this can is going to be afford, so much fun for the next two months. Can you afford to have two tight ends and two wide receivers and a running back who all, forget salaries for a second, all want the ball? Yeah. No, this is, there's so much to unpack here, and there's, there's so many different paths they could go down, which is why. Purple Daily, 2 to 4 o'clock, also available on the Score North app. Apple or Spotify is all over these stories every single day with Matthew Collar leading the way. Can we talk about this baseball thing next? This thing Rob Manfred wants to do to further ruin the game? Oh, I thought you were talking about the other baseball thing. What there's, other baseball thing? There's two thing? juicy baseball things today. The lawsuit. Oh, that too. Out. Yeah. Can we do both of those For if we sure. have time? And by the way, D'Angelo Russell is making his Timberwolves debut tonight against the Raptors. Cat and D'Angelo Russell. won 13 consecutive, right? Have they? The Raptors, I think they're on a 13-game winning streak. So they ran into this buzzsaw. Yeah. It was fun Saturday, man. Did they I'm, make 26 threes against the Clips? I don't think so. You know what? In the world of the Timberwolves, Saturday was just fun. And that's it's sad to say, but that's all I'm looking for right now. And Are you interesting? Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell have uh, combined to purchase $1,000 for their uh, worth thousand of tickets. 1000 tickets. They're yeah. gone. Each. They already bought a thousand each. They didn't combine yeah, to buy two thousand. Two thousand, but they're gone. Yeah. Nice. So, first come, first serve. They're they're gone. I've got four. Oh, you bought four? I, no, you're not buying them. They're free. Oh, they're free. I get it. They're buying. Okay. I guess for tonight's game. No, or, that oh, the future. Uh, game. Okay. Wednesday, Charlotte. All right. Nice. So not a great game, but what the heck? Mackie and Judd with Rami in the middle of this appy hour as well. Thirty more minutes. Actually, thirty-four more minutes. If you want great second-row seats to a wild Vegas game tomorrow night at the X, all you have to do, if you want your chance to win, download the Score North app, register when it prompts you, and enter through Listener Rewards, which is just the little top menu. You can click on it, and you'll see Listener Rewards. If you already have the app, just go into it, enter through Listener Rewards, and you'll be eligible to win tickets. Second-row seats, we have two pairs to give away, so we'll have two different winners tomorrow night. Wild and Vegas, 7 p.m. at the X. Only available this ticket opportunity between now and 6 o'clock tonight. We'll come back with a couple interesting baseball stories. And we'll wrap with Royce Mackey and jump with Rami. Jonathan here with the Score North download. Brought to you by Team Mackey for the Big Climb Minneapolis. If you missed the news, if you're just hopping in your car now, just in about half, or an hour's time now, the Wolves will take on Toronto. And in the lineup tonight for the Wolves is D'Angelo Russell. For the first time, he averaged 23.6 points a game for Golden State this season before being traded to the Wolves. Last week in that trade, that saw Andrew Wiggins head off to Golden State and Steve Kerr say weirdly weird things about Andrew Wiggins being able to cover LeBron James, which made no sense to anyone who's watched Andrew Wiggins for the past several years. Join Team Mackey on February 15th for this year's Big Climb Minneapolis to raise money to fight blood cancer. Benefiting the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, donate to our team or join Team Mackey. For just $20 when you use the promo code Mackey, go to scorenorth.com slash bigclimb. Now, that's been your Score North download. Now back to Mackey and Joe with Rami. I've often said that Rob Manford is an anti-baseball <laughs> agent working from the inside trying to kill the game. You guys have heard me talk about that, right? Well, in his latest attempt... MLB is seriously weighing a move from five to seven playoff teams in each league beginning in 2022. 
This is from the New York Post. Now you're saying to yourself, seven teams in each league, how exactly? So one team gets a bye. How does that work? How do, you, how do you work that out? Well, in this concept, the team with the best record in each league would receive a bye to avoid the wild card round. Yes, Phil Mack, and go directly to the division series. The two other division winners in the wild card with the next best record would each host all three games in a best of three wild card round. So the bottom three wild cards would have no first home get first round home games. This is where it gets weird. Wait, can you back up just so, so it would be it three division three, winners versus three wild cards in in three game series. Three game series played straight at division division winners get all the home games. Okay, there are no there are no home and home and away games okay. in the uh, first in yeah in the wild card round. This is where it gets weird. The division winner with the second best record in a league would then get to pick their first opponent from those lower three wild cards that the other division winner would pick. Leaving the last two wild cards to play each other. You know what? I'm in for oh this. Oh my god! I'm in for this. <laughs> what are we doing? First of all, what are we doing? Actually, the only beef I have is that you're getting rid of the one game play in games, yeah, which out. I think create. I think those create a ton of fun. So can you create some? I hate the one game plan. Really I hate it. You what? Hate it with a. Did passion. you bring this up? Did I space on this no, I conversation? Brought I brought it up, and we fought about it. I hate it. I don't know if you, you went play, that strong. You play 162 games to get to the postseason, and it ends on one game? Win the uh-huh. division. It ends on one game? Win your division. Yeah, but it's a fun game. I, I hated it when it started, and then I watched it and thought, as a fan, this is great fun. Yeah, you're not, and, you're not, and it throws off. One of my favorite things is that in the postseason, over the course of 162 games and a five-man rotation on every team, it's pretty rare after opening day that you get a bona fide ace versus a bona fide ace and like a one versus a one. In the playoffs, you get that. You get, a theoretically, an even pitching matchup for every game. You get a one versus a one, a two versus a two, a three versus a three. That one game play-in throws that all off. You gotta throw your, you gotta throw your best bullet, your most, your best arm in that one game playoff, and now you're at a disadvantage to start a playoff. Win your division. Win your division. I didn't like it when, when I I saw the idea, but since I've seen it, it's fun. As a fan, it's fun. What about this? What about this? So what is is the logic behind restructuring the postseason? It's it's to get you're getting extra playoff games, mm-hmm. right? I like so and you're Judd, getting more I teams think, get in. I think Judd has pitched this thing about a three three game wild card round before, right? With yes. no traveling. Yep. All the games played at the uh It's been talked about too. Yeah. So couldn't you just couldn't you just keep it the way it is now and instead of doing a one game playing game, do three? If you want more, if you want but but again, I I love my my biggest beef with this is not that you're expanding to seven. It's I'm I'm actually fine with that. It's not that you're giving a team a buy and shaking up the. It's it's that you're getting rid of the most exciting thing next to a game seven of like a World Series. The most exciting thing baseball has to offer are those wild card games. How many times throughout the beginning of spring training until the end of the World Series, not counting a game seven in the playoffs? How many times does baseball give you true appointment viewing opportunities? Where oh my god. I have to watch this game because the NFL gives you like three a week. Oh my God! Sunday Night Football. The Patriots are playing the Chiefs. It's and Pat Mahomes what and Tom t- Brady. Talking about right? Flexing Monday games. Flexing Monday to games to make even now. more. This is a, yes. so the, the NFL has given you in September and yes. October where your sport is supposed to be crescendoing. The NFL has given you three or four appointments every single week, and baseball really only has two here's and then where, maybe game sevens. Here is where I don't trust baseball, though, and and. Rami's guy, Rob Manfred, one bit. How transparent is this a leak of this story? Because spring training's about to start, and these guys, st- this whole Astros-Red Sox thing is still just a complete mess. 
baseball has been as untransparent as possible about that, right? I mean, the Wall Street Journal story on Friday had details that if you're a baseball fan, shouldn't just sort of bug you. They should deeply bother you. An intern set this plan into motion. The what? The dark? What? What's it called that the Astros had? Dark? Was it dark arts? It, it sounded like a Star breaker? Wars yeah. thing that you and Jonathan would love. <laughs> and so now baseball's like, oh, just leak this playoff plan out today so people will forget about the fact that the dark arts were going around Houston. <laughs> and this thing was so, so, stri- so strategic and to Phil's point from Friday's show, A.J. Hinch, when asked about the buzzers, basically said, ah, baseball investigated, I guess, and never said no to that. <laughs> so I just love, I love, Rob Manfred thinks we're all so stupid that he's like, leak out this playoff idea, Joe, today, because that'll get the fans off the scent of the fact that my offseason's been a mess. Well, I, I do credit baseball, we, we, we can't. We can't eat our cake and have it too here in that we can't sit here and pound baseball for not being innovative and thoughtful about what the future should look like. And then they float a trial balloon playoff format yeah, that's different, and then we... But they're doing it to, to cover up the fact that they are a complete mess right now. Fix this. This is so embarrassing. You're being sued by some pitcher I've never heard of now. Well, actually, that's a good segue, because... Yeah, there is a lawsuit that came out. R- Rami's right, though. This guy is a complete joke. Rob Manfred's a complete well, let joke. Me- yeah, Rob Manfred you're talking about. Uh, yeah, Rob Manfred. Do you think Mike Bolsinger's a joke? Because that's what scouts well, thought of him after the Astros. Tell us what in. he's doing, and I do have one question about this. So Mike Bolsinger is now 32 years old, and he's actually pitching for the Chiba Lotte Marines in Japan. He's been in the Japanese Pacific League for like three or four years. That's good on the pronunciation. I'm just seeing Chiba Mike Lotte Bolsinger Marines. for the first time and probably the same story that you're reading. I get a lot of you-look-like tweets, like anytime there's anybody with long, dark hair and a dark beard. Mike Bolsinger, kind of, kind you look a little of, like well, Mike I look Bolsinger. A little bit like Mike Bolsinger, <laughs> yeah. It's true. A little bit. It's true. So the last time, the last time, the last time Mike Bolsinger pitched in the major leagues was on August fourth at Toronto. He got one out, gave up four hits, four earned runs. He walked three, gave up a home run, and he so he faced eight batters. He retired one of them, and the rest was a disaster. And there's evidence that the Astros knew what pitches were coming, and they were that was full on down the stretch, August of 2017. And in the lawsuit, it says at the time the Blue Jays believed that as a result of the disastrous inning, that plaintiff Bolsinger was not capable of being a relief pitcher, and other scouts viewed the same thing. For a journeyman pitcher in the major leagues like Bolsinger, a disastrous inning such as what took place in Houston on August 4th could and did prove to be the death knell to his career in the major leagues. So you you could very much draw a line and say, yeah, he got shelled in that outing. He was kind of a borderline age at the time. He was like 29, 30 years old, and there's a million guys out there who you could plug in. Um, and he filed a lawsuit. Patrick Royce, your thoughts yes, on, this, up, on this Mike Bolsinger suing the Astros or suing... Suing, is it Major League Baseball no, or the Astros? It the is the Astros, Astros yeah. for ending his career on August 4th, 2017. What a wussy. What a wussy, that's what I'd say. I want to testify in court and say he's a big sissy and he had too many breaking balls. Too many hangers. Too many hangers. I watched him pitch. He's, uh, you know, he was a nothing. So I'm against him. I think he's a wussy. Uh, he did, in fairness, also give up, uh, let's see here, 11 base runners in three and two-thirds to the Detroit Tigers in an 11-1 to yes, loss on July yes, 15th. Sure the Tigers. Summer. And, oh. and also, he walked three. 
It wasn't like they were hitting rockets. I suppose he figured they were able to lay off this fantastic curveball he was throwing because they knew it was coming, and they waited for fastballs. Is that what the lawsuit says? Verbatim, it actually says that. Yes. (laughs) I hope they get a. uh, I hope they get a good uh, judge, and he throws it out in about twenty minutes. But uh, probably won't. You know, hell, if if he gets into civil court, he'll probably. you don't win because of the anti-Astro sentiment that's out there. At this point, I'm but, for anything that just makes the Astros' life more difficult. I, I'm I'm 100% in favor of Mike Bolsinger and his lawsuit, Pat. Not for any reasons of justice, just because I hate the mm-hmm. Astros and anything that makes their lives harder is okay with me. Yeah. All righty. Well, that's good. I just think it's idiotic, but, uh, you know, he's, he's, uh, they're, he's probably not the last, right? They're probably the couple of two other guys now. You know what? I was talking to Judd earlier today. We're going to have cheating stories popping in baseball all summer. All summer with about 14 different teams before it's over. I think, you know, certainly maybe not as uh, sophisticated as the Astros system was, although how sophisticated can a garbage can be? But uh, The intern was good, though. These are going to be popping all the time, man. Who's going to get busted or implicated next? Dodgers, Yankees, you think? I think the Dodgers, because the Dodgers have been pretty quiet. <laughs> the Dodgers has a, the Dodger fans have been saying we deserve two world championships, but the Dodgers haven't been saying diddly. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, by the way, the Dodgers apparently. Now the Dodgers are holding up the trade, apparently. They, uh, we still haven't completed this thing. Do you know that? Yeah, why not now? Wait, wait what? The, the Dodgers are the Dodgers looking at Gratterall's medicals for the first time? No, no. I think it's uh, just as simple as the forty man, but I'm not. They uh, they're adding four men to the forty man, but the Twins aren't saying that. The Twins are saying the Twins want the Dodgers to say yes. Go ahead and announce it, and uh, there's something going on. But I did read something yesterday that the Dodgers would have to make room. They're adding four players and only losing, uh, what, two? Uh, they're losing Maeda and uh, and, uh, and and Vertigo had to be on the 40-man too, right? So they're only – so they must have added 40, and now they got to find two spots. Maybe it's that simple, but I don't know. At 6.30, it's still – at 6.30 Eastern, it still hasn't been announced. Pat, have you by ever- the way – have you ever seen Dustin anything Morris like this? Me, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Dustin Morris told me that uh, he's getting he's got Japanese reporters in camp waiting for Maeda, but Maeda hasn't been told to leave yet. So, so he's gonna you know he's gonna have to uh, you know call back Nishioka to do a couple of interviews or some damn thing. I don't know what's going on, but uh, the 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 Japanese press corps is here before the pitcher is so. I, I don't know. Have I seen this? Uh, I was trying to talk about it today. I can't remember. Uh, I can't remember one like this. I, I think that I, I was saying, oh, Robbie, that you know, twenty years ago, uh, this trade probably would have been. We, we wouldn't have even known it had been made, you know, because the agents weren't tipping off the you know the national uh, ball writers and telling them that the trade had been made. We probably wouldn't even know that that the trade had been made. So who knows how many trades were were made and then, you know, agreed to and then 
they got canceled before they became public. But uh, I haven't seen I haven't seen one that with a player the equivalent of Mookie Betts <laughs> to uh, to come up. I did see somebody complaining how much more that the that the Dodgers uh, that the Red Sox got much more than the Twins did, and uh, you know that the Red Sox made a better deal than the Twins. Well, they were trading Mookie Betts. Twins were trading Bruce Gargano. There's a bit of a difference here. So, anyway. How about those Timberwolves, Patrick? 26 threes. I've told you all along, just trust the process, and eventually the threes would, right. would start the to fall. Once they, once they blew up the entire roster. <laughs> yes. it's. Uh, I, I saw that, and I thought I was reading The Onion when I saw the thing on the... Uh, when, I, when I saw the headline about him making 26 threes, I thought somebody was having fun with it, especially after Russell... Uh, did not play. Is he playing tonight, by the way? He Do we is. know? He, he is, is playing, playing tonight. tonight, yep. He is playing. He is playing. Okay, good. Good. That's uh that's good. So they so did they spontaneously sell that place out or was it some you know, kids promotion? Saturday night? No, they spontaneously yeah. sold sold it out because they, they all out. thought they were gonna see uh, D'Angelo Russell play. D'Angelo. And why are people excited about him, may I ask you? He's one of the 25 best players in the league. But uh, As Pat, 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 as, as Jim Peterson said after the game, the game in which he didn't play, but the game was over the other night, he said, we've just been in the desert without water for so long. And I think fans caught wind of a glass of water being inside Target Center, and that's, Again. How, that's how you get <laughs> like 19, Jimmy Butler, like when KG came back. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess so. Uh, but uh, I mean, he's you know he's he's better than what they had. But uh, I, I don't what what is he the twenty fourth best player in the league or something like that? I I don't know. Is he the top thirty? I don't. He's never been an all star, has he? One time, yes. Yeah, well, I believe he, I believe last, last season yeah. replacement. Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, he made it with the Nets. That's right. Okay. Well. Uh, you know he's good. I mean, he's, he's certainly got an offensive game, but uh, I, I, I'm very surprised that uh, that they, that would spontaneously fill it up. But hey, that's that's a good sign. There are still some Wolves fans out there. They've been hiding. Uh, although you know, two years ago when they made the playoffs, they had more sellouts than they'd had since their second year in existence. So I guess they're waiting for any sign of anything. Yeah, Pat. Pat what do you think becomes of Andrew Wiggins' career? I think he wins an NBA title in 2021, but not because of him. Uh, I think he'll do okay because he's the fourth guy. He's, I, I was talking to Judd today. He can get 10 or 11 points some night. You know, the box score can say, you know, three for nine shooting, 11 points, four rebounds, two assists, one steal, and nobody's going to say anything about it. Because he's going to be, because Curry's going to have 34, and Clay Thompson's going to have 28, and Draymond Green's going to, Draymond Green's going to, you know, have his 18 or 20, and nobody's going to, you know, there's not going to be any focus on it that he had another ordinary game. They just, you know, they, that that's what I think. I think that I don't think he's going to be a lot better, but uh, he doesn't have he 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 can be. Okay, and and do well once he gets Curry and Clay Thompson back. So yeah, you know he's a, he's an athlete. I saw Kerr's Kerr's advice. Kerr said to him, "I want you to do one thing: run the court both ways." <laughs> 
And he did have five steals the other night, but uh, I don't know. I, I, I think maybe he'll slouch and uh, go into his usual Andrew thing this year. But next year, when they're really good, uh, maybe not. Maybe he'll uh, maybe he'll try a little harder when he's playing with a guy like Steph Curry. All right, I have one more thing for you here. Reckless speculation. Okay, th- I'm going to give you four quarterbacks. Three of them are free agents right now. Imagine that all four were free agents, if you will, and you could you could bring any of these four in for just the 2020 season, and your goal is to go as far as you can with the Vikings, okay? Rank, yep. rank these four in order of how much you would trust them. Kirk Cousins, Teddy Bridgewater, Tom Brady, Philip Rivers. I'll stick with the guy I got over those three. So Kirk number I'll take, one. I'll take I'll take Cousins over those three. Rivers will Rivers will break your heart more than Cousins will. Teddy's you know overrated by all you Teddy lovers, and Tom Brady's uh, you know with our with the offensive line that these boys have. Uh, he would uh, that step up in the pocket at age forty three wouldn't work so well. Because he he wasn't the same player this year, no matter what, and uh, he's 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 cooked. I, I I would you know he's not he's serviceable on a good team, but the, his days of being a superstar are over. I think I know that's not popular sentiment, but uh, this is one of those rare points at times that I'm going to have a different opinion than the, most of the public. I, I, I Reckless speculation. <laughs> Pat, just uh, ra- rarely aligning himself as the contrarian. You can find... Well, who's the who's number one on everybody else's list? Teddy, oh. we love Teddy. Oh. He can send a four-yard <laughs> check down better than anybody. Oh, Teddy, come on, Teddy. Let's see another four-yard pass. Way to go, Teddy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, we, we haven't even done the list yet. You just... Uh, you just kicked We're it just off. We're just getting started. Okay, we'll do it tomorrow. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. See you, Pat. Cousins. Bye. I'll keep with cousins. All right. I'll stick good. with cousins. That's a reckless speculation with Royce. Who was on your list? Brady. Rivers, Brady, Kirk, and Teddy. Can't you put Breeze on there? Well, Breeze would be too obvious. I don't know about that. He's younger than Brady. All right. I'll put Breeze on. Go okay, ahead. Breeze. <laughs> Breeze. Give me Breeze. Okay, Breeze. Yeah. That's, why, that's well, why I left him off the list. I'm so bitter that Cousins' contract can't be up right now. It'd be so much more fun. It, well, it, but you could... Okay, let's actually talk about this on tomorrow's show. Because you could you could make it so by having one conversation. But we'll save that for tomorrow. We'll Mackie tomorrow. and Jump with Rami. Score North app. Apple, Spotify. Roycey on baseball coming up next.